It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Days away from the 2017 Arizona Fall League Championship game. Um, it's like the holidays. It's the holidays already. What is happening it here? It is the holidays, but it's also opening day in Australia. That's true. That is Which true. is, I feel like as you are the de facto commissioner of Australian Baseball League. You know. So... It's, You're the American ambassador, anyway. The American ambassador of the Australian Baseball League. Um, actually, there was some big news uh, out of the ABL last week. Uh, well, earlier this week, I guess. But the Australian Baseball League and Baseball Australia announced that they will uh, be expanding from a six-team league to an eight-team league next year for the 2018-2019 season, which is the first phase of expansion for the ABL. So that's pretty exciting stuff. So, um, yeah, you can check out uh, the ABL sites. There are prospects headed um, across the league uh, to various locations, six teams in the ABL right now. Um, and they kind of have, we've talked about this on the show before. Some of those teams have partnerships kind of with major league teams. And so certain prospects will go to certain teams in the ABL. Um, they're loose affiliations. There's nothing really official about them, but, uh, it's fun and it's baseball when there is otherwise not baseball. So that's always a positive thing. And, uh, I totally thought that the news you were going to talk about with the ABL, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast, your association with Didi Gregorius and how that story just blew up. Yeah, it totally blew up. I'm a little bummed. I was a little bummed. So backstory, real quick. Um, and hi everyone. By the way, uh, it's yeah. the, the show before the show <laughs> before podcast from milv.com. I am Sam Dykstra. He is Tyler Mon, or something like that. Um, and uh, maybe the, maybe the other way around. Uh, yeah. And we will be joined shortly by Kelsey Hennigan because we've got a different formatted episode today, and uh, we will we'll get to that here momentarily. But yeah, quick story. So Didi Gregorius comes up to the notorious Big song, Notorious, at Yankee Stadium, and when he was in A-ball, Didi came through the Australian Baseball League during our inaugural season. I worked in Sydney. He played for Canberra. The very first series um, of the ABL, the very first game of the ABL was Sydney versus Canberra in Sydney. And um, the at the time, the CEO of the league... A very interesting fellow. He um, wanted us to have funny walk-up songs for the uh, the opposing team, so the visitors, because I guess in Australian baseball that's a thing that sometimes they do. It's you know you play bad pop music or terrible country or something like that um, to you know poke a little fun at uh, opposing hitters. So. I think that it was Todd Van Steensel, um, who is one of everybody's favorite Twitter follows. Uh, but I think it was him. He and I were discussing uh, who on Canberra was going to get what songs. And somehow the suggestion for Didi Gregorius came up that he should have the notorious song just because it rhymes and whatever. So Didi goes throughout the rest of his career, plays that we played it for him in Sydney. He went back to Canberra, used it as a song in Canberra, which I thought was cool enough. And then through the rest of his career also uses that song. And I was like, man, that's pretty cool. 
something we came up with in Sydney is the reason why DD is using that. But uh, Josh Jackson posted that story on Twitter. Somebody later tagged DD in it, and he responded and said, no, actually the year before when he was in Billings, and this is back when DD was in the Reds organization, which is where he started his pro career, in Billings, every time he got a hit, the Mustang staff would play that notorious B.I.G. song for DD. And so like 8,000 miles away, organically we thought of it separately from that and apparently uh Didi's just been followed around by notorious big his entire baseball career but i took credit for something that uh, we did not start apparently so i retract my my story on that you were wrong online. i was wrong basically. i was wrong online i was not mad online though i was just wrong online you were just wrong online, you know and somebody so, felt the need to tell you about it. there we have it at least uh, it was Didi himself i was no, happy that, to have it corrected really by the yeah. man himself it was good and he, he seemed very nice about it <laughs> he was uh, is that i'm what, sorry what to tell like you guys it? <laughs> yeah, what I like about it is that the origin now at least is like a nice thing. Yeah. As opposed to you guys trying to screw with his head. True. <laughs> He's that just like, true. no, this was something that Billings gave to me and became my thing out <laughs> of celebration of what I had been doing. Which not- also makes me wonder, like, when he first came to the plate in that inaugural ABL game in October of 2010, and we played that song, I wonder what went through his head then. Like, do these people call the Billings Mustangs and get this? Like, that had to have felt super random. I'm sure it's just, I've heard this before. It's a very strange, small baseball world. I did have one guy say, it's not really weird that you both thought of it. It's just unoriginal. Oh, okay. Thanks, dude. Good good feedback on Twitter.com, as always. Um, So... Uh, now we know the record has been set straight. And with that, we welcome you into this week's edition of the show before the show podcast from MILB.com. I am Tyler Ron. He is Sam Dykstra. Uh, this week's edition of the show is um, our pre-holiday edition. Things kind of get a little bit wonky as we move toward the holidays sam and i were talking about what exactly the schedule will look like for us um because we have no benjamin hill this week uh so we will be kind of discussing some business of baseball related things here in a little bit but we are eschewing the normal format for episode number 135 of the show before the show and uh we're gonna dive into some arizona fall league discussion on a very large scale today And we'll talk about that here momentarily. But before we do, uh, thanks for joining us on this week's edition. Head over to iTunes, Google Play, the Stitcher app, wherever else you find your podcast, and give us a rating and a review and a subscription. You can catch up on past episodes at MILB.com slash podcast. And you can get in touch with the show, podcast at MILB.com. Sam's on Twitter. He's at Sam Dykstra, MILB. I am at Tyler Vaughn. And, uh, yeah. Arizona Fall League wrapping up this weekend, which is bizarre um, because it feel, the AFL always seems to go super quick. Um, but this year, for some reason, feels like it went even faster than in seasons past. Uh, but it is a league that oftentimes spurs guys onto the prospect scene when you have not really heard of them or come across them before. Um, and sometimes it's just confirmation of how good prospects are. Labor Torres last year, of course, tore things up in the AFL. Um, you know, we see guys from year to year come through and you go from this guy's really promising talent to, yeah, that guy's going to be somebody very soon. Um, and there are a lot of those guys in the AFL this year. So for this week's edition of the show, We are bringing back the wildly popular Arizona Fall League draft, which Sam and I did for the first time last year. And we are adding a third component to the AFL draft this year, and that is our own Kelsey Hennigan, who joins us sitting quietly next to Sam for this entire time, which makes me feel really bad that we waited 10 minutes before bringing Kelsey in. Hi, Kelsey. Hi, Tyler. 
thanks for the waiting. Hey, no problem. You know, we're, uh, <laughs> I wanted to see how long we could go with you having to sit there awkwardly next that, to Sam. That, that might be the longest I've gone without talking. <laughs> so you're welcome. Just silently judging the whole time. <laughs> you were. So here, Sam, lay out how it's going to go. Because last year you and I just alternated picks back and forth. Now we've got three participants in the draft. So give us, uh, give us the parameters for this. Yeah, so the way this is going to work is we're going to basically build our own AFL rosters, um, kind of bare bones. We're not going to go and build out huge 25-man uh, you know, rosters here. But we will be picking one player for each position, catcher, first base, second base, shortstop, third base, three outfield spots, a starting pitcher, a reliever, and a DH slash utility. Uh, leave that up to you guys how you want to interpret that last one. And we're just going to be going through, you know, each taking picks. It's not going to go position by position. If you want to take an outfielder first, you're more than welcome to. And then a shortstop and then a second baseman, whatever. However you have them ranked, it's completely up to us. Um, but we'll be snaking through. I actually have three names here in a hat. We'll be picking them out here live on the podcast. Uh, draft order has not been set until we pick the names out of the hat. Uh, so it'll essentially be going one, two, three, three, two, one, one, two, three. Um, like your basic standard, maybe fantasy baseball draft or something like that, trying to keep it at, as fair as we can. Um, but, yeah, this will be a good way to kind of wrap up the fall league, uh, look back on how guys have done. We're not just picking rosters out of AFL performance, obviously. Prospect status comes into it, regular season performance, potential, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it'll be a little peek into how we view players, who, how, you know, how we rank them, how – valuable we think they can be to a roster um but also it, it's just a way to quickly go over um so many of the guys that we've been following the last six or so weeks uh down in, in arizona so uh without much further ado i'll ask kelsey to pick out the first overall pick, right. first overall pick. i know out of the three pieces of paper yeah. and then number two is going to be also, Tyler, this is no just kidding. It's Sam. Oh, uh, well, see, that's why we had Kelsey do it. So now it's not, we don't feel bad that she's third. So the order will go Tyler, me, then Kelsey, and then Kelsey makes two picks back to me, uh, Tyler. So, Tyler, you get first one. Man. Uh, take it away. I was actually sort of hoping that I would not get first because there's so much pressure with going first. Um, but in the interest of, since this is a small league and our teams are going to play each other a lot. And since there are only three teams, I guess one team has to have an off day every day. Neither here nor there. But um, in the interest of sparking a rivalry right out of the gate, I'm going to make the first overall selection in this year's Major League Baseball Arizona Fall League first-year player draft. I guess it's not really a first-year player draft. Um, Ronald Acuna, because Sam loves him, and uh, I'm going to swipe him. So Sam can't have him. The fifth overall prospect in minor league baseball is according to MLB Pipeline and the top prospect in the Atlanta Braves organization. Sorry, Sam. Looks like Ronald's on my team. You couldn't talk about like the nice things that he does, like nope. the speed, the power, the the <laughs> hit it tool, the ability to play all three outfield spots. No, you just did it out of spite. Yeah. No, basically just out of spite. Okay. Are all we right. not supposed to draft strictly out of spite? Because that was my. I mean, that's plan. my. That's going to be my GM's uh, initiative going forward, but. <laughs> 
now that that, that standard has been set. Um, no, uh, I mean, Ronald Acuna, his season has been uh, fantastic in the AFL, which you kind of, for a lot of guys, and we'll see this um, depending on some of the guys, I guess we talk as the, the draft goes along today, but some guys had, you know, terrific seasons in the minor leagues, go to the AFL, sort of run out of gas at the end of a long season. You're going to play more meaningful games, meaningful innings. The competition level is ratcheted up. But Ronald Acuna in 22 games with the Peoria Javelinas, 329-421, 658 is his slash line. A 1079 OPS, seven homers, 16 driven in. Yeah, like Sam said, he can play all over the outfield. He has played all three outfield spots in the AFL. Um, He just kind of does it all. He's a complete guy. Yeah, so that that's the the first overall pick. I'm gonna stick in the outfield, and I'm gonna go with Victor Robles as my second overall pick. And you may have heard Kelsey seems very upset about that. So there we go. The spike check mark is knocked off on that one. Uh, but Victor Robles, uh, not only is he a unique talent, you know, he's a potential five tool star, kind of in the same way with Acuna. I was actually, if I had the first overall pick, I was gonna have to take a minute of just fluff to try to. Uh, understand who I was going to pick. But the the great thing about having Robles on my team first is, you know, he comes with already major league playoff experience. He he got on that NLDS roster uh, for the Washington Nationals. Uh, Obviously had a really strong season in the minors as well. Came to the AFL late because of his time in the playoffs. Showed off all the tools we expected him to have again. Uh, The only thing that's really lacking for him right now is the power. Uh, But even then, uh, he hit three home runs this fall um and you know obviously arizona is a little bit more of an offensive environment but if he can get that to where his all his other tools are uh you know he'll be great he'll definitely be a center fielder for me uh could play left or right if you know in a pickle um but considering he's my first pick off the board he's going to be a strong center fielder you know probably a leadoff hitter as well um good on both sides of the ball so number two is uh victor robles now kelsey gets to make two picks I do. And Hopefully I will l- say, with less spite. I will uh, say, yes, I did say, Psh, but uh, actually when I first was asked to do this draft, my first thought was I probably shouldn't because every time I do a draft of any sport, I end up cursing a lot, either because the person right before me takes who I want or because I'm happy that I got who I want. And I'm like, <laughs> heck yes. Um, but no, it's okay. I figured you two would pick Robles and Acuna or that they would be the first two picks. So I'm going to mix it up a little bit and not pick somebody's top prospect and I'm going to go with Mitch Keller for my starting pitcher Um, not only did he do really well as he advanced across the minors this season but he's continuing to do well in the AFL I think he lowered his ERA to 152 today so yes I'm going with him and then I'm going to go back to the trend you guys had set and pick a top 10 prospect in uh, Houston outfielder Kyle Tucker Uh, I know he hasn't necessarily put up the numbers that everyone had hoped for last season and in the AFL, but I still feel like there's something there, and this could be the year that he finally breaks out and puts those numbers up that everyone's expecting of him. Um, Yeah, so the the first three outfielders are off my board. I think we can safely say that. Uh, Yeah, which is just kind of how that works when when you've got three guys who all have five-tool potential. Um, you know, I, I think Tucker necessarily doesn't have the ne- the ability to stick and center in quite the way that Acuna or Robles will, um, but he probably has a little bit more power potential than either, either the other two. Um, so obviously a strong pick by Kelsey there. Uh, the fact that she took Keller first 
is worrisome for me because I feel like the fall league is not as deep starting pitching wise as it has been in past years. I think Keller and then this person who is now going to be my next pick, uh, Justice Sheffield, are the only top 100 arms uh, in the fall league this year. So I'm going to take Sheffield before we have to get too deep into starting pitcher discussion and try to figure out who I'm going to give the ball to. Uh, by all reports, Sheffield's had a really strong fall league uh, building off his first year in the Yankee system uh, at double A, had some injury issues. Um, but his velocity was up, was hitting mid-90s with pretty pretty good ease, has a pretty good breaking pitch. Uh, he's not the biggest guy on the mound. He's not going to be super imposing. But the fact that he's pitching from the left side, can have that velocity, um, you know, the, the breaking stuff to match, uh, it certainly makes him an intriguing prospect in a system that is littered with them. Um, and he could be, you know, he's in that discussion with Chance Adams, I think, for the top arm in that system right now. So. I'll take Justice Sheffield second and then uh, try to leave Tyler with who he's going to – or if he's going to take a starting pitcher now. He doesn't have to, but uh, pick up from the scraps that are left. And I get uh, back-to-back picks as well, correct? That is correct, yes. So um, I am actually surprised that this was not your starting pitcher pick, but I'm going to go with Max Freed of the Atlanta Braves organization who uh, with the Peoria Javelinas as well. I got a lot of Havs. Uh, early on three and one 1.73 era through six starts 32 strikeouts in 26 innings against just eight walks opponents are batting 163 against him a 0.88 era um but that's really i mean like sam said the depth is not the best uh in starting pitching in the afl those three guys that's kind of the top tier and then after that there's some fall off it's not the strongest category um in the arizona fall league a lot of times that's because pitchers organizations don't want to overwork some of their best arms so a lot of guys won't get sent to the AFL because they want them to be shut down for the offseason but those three guys are kind of the clear-cut aces uh, on the staffs of these teams in the Arizona Fall League so I'm going with Max Fried Um, the other area of Arizona Fall League play that seems like they're really is not a whole ton of depth is behind the plate and I've got an ace and so I need somebody to catch that ace and so I'm going to go with Sean Murphy of the Oakland Athletics organization who's really busted out in the AFL so far this season Um, Murphy defensively has been really good offensively he's been fantastic he's got an on-base percentage of 413 and in total OPS of 780 he's not hitting for a ton of power uh, but he does have four doubles on the year but defensively is what really stands out to me about Sean Murphy um, because his ability to throw out runners from behind the plate is really unmatched it's not even close to being matched by anybody else in the AFL he's thrown out 11 of 18 attempted base stealers which is a 611 percentage and obviously a very small sample size but behind that from guys who qualify and there aren't that many qualifiers in such a short season with so many innings being spread among other guys nobody else has thrown out really over 22 percent of potential base stealers so Sean Murphy's going to be my guy from Mesa slash Oakland all right well I'm also going to stick a catcher and this might be I don't know if this is unorthodox because it kind of it kind of goes in full circle it's so orthodox that it's almost unorthodox what? Uh, it, that makes any sense. <laughs> so this guy has not played catcher in the Arizona Fall League, which okay. would make you I see, see where you're like, going with this. why am I making this guy my catcher? Until you realize, okay, so it's the top catching prospect in all of baseball, which is Francisco Mejia. Uh, he's been moved to third base in the Fall League. He originally started out at DH uh, just because they want to get him some more at bats. You know, obviously he got called up to Cleveland in September, um, but did a lot of sitting on the bench as the team was making its playoff push. 
Uh, now they move him over to third. They're trying to just get him used to that position, uh, get him used to seeing balls from there. His arm certainly plays there. Uh, and there are some defensive questions of him at catcher in terms of, you know, his receiving skills and blocking skills and all that kind of stuff. And there, there's lots to work on there. But given his bat, you know, he hit 365 again uh, this fall league with with Glendale, a perpetual 300 hitter. Uh, feels like he rolls out of bed and gets two hits in the morning. That's just the way it works for me here. Uh, and and kind of similar thing. Like, I, I don't feel like there there are some other interesting catchers, and I'm not going to give them away because Kelsey still has to pick one at some point. But the drop-off between Mejia, Murphy, and some of these other guys is is pretty big. Um, so I'm going to take him. I'm going to tell him, don't worry about that third baseman glove anymore. You're not going to be using it on my team. Uh, you're going to be catching – um, so Francisco Mejia is, is the starting catcher. Now we've got a, kind of a, a start of a spine here. I've got center field, starting pitcher, and catcher. And now uh, Kelsey gets the next two. All right. Um, yeah, so I've been thinking about how uh, Tyler and you guys are both talking about depth and which positions have a lot of depth and which ones don't. So I feel like first base, I've, I first didn't think that it had much depth. Then you see a couple guys, uh, but I think I'm just going to go for it now so I can secure one of the better ones. And I'm going to go with Jordan Alvarez, the Astros prospect. Um, he did really well as he advanced from Quad uh, Cities to Booze Creek this year. He has a few different tools. He doesn't necessarily have the power, but he has the average, and he continues to show that in the AFL and he continues to produce. And he's very big. Too. He might not have the power yet, yeah, but what, what, are, what is he not. coming at? 6'5", uh, 225, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I'm seeing him at the... Uh, and he has a few triples, so yeah, the that's future, a threat. That's right. what that's called. At the Futures game this year, even in that room, he was he, he took up half the room, I felt like, uh, in that world team roster. So I know they play him a lot in the outfield. They want him to try to get used to that and show some athleticism there, but a lot of people do think he's a first baseman. So anyway... And then uh, at third base, I'm going to pick a guy who showed off his power yesterday and his speed uh, for Michael Chavis. He had a homer, and then he had an inside-the-park homer. So clearly he's good at taking advantage of uh, tough situations. Uh, he also, I think, had 27 or 29 home runs this year. So it's really the guy you want in the hot corner. All right, I just have to update my thing now that so many guys are flying off the handle. Um, so, yeah, so I actually had Travis at either third base or first base um, because of what you were talking about for depth. I'm going to leave first base alone now. Uh, I'm going to go back to the outfield for, for my next pick, and I'm going to go with Monte Harrison of the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, again, just because of his five-tool potential, he had some serious injuries the two years before this year. Uh, started out again at Class A Wisconsin. Uh, for a third straight year, I remember talking to him, I think in April or May, and he was just saying, like, I really did not want to be here anymore. Uh, but that's, you know, he had some struggles. He had a lot of swing and miss to his game. This year, he really put everything together. Uh, has one of the most fun swings, I'll say. It's not like a pretty swing in terms of Ted Williams type, but it, there's a lot of movement there. And then when he makes contact, it can be very loud. And if it goes to the corners, he is a triple threat uh, on so many different occasions. Um, kind of similar situation. Um, putting him next to to Robles, that's a lot of ground that is going to be made up in my outfield. I think Harrison is the one to move over to right. He certainly has a good enough arm to to handle that. Um, but yeah, 
to, to again, just kind of shore up kind of a skill position for me. I, I think outfield is the deepest position here. We could probably each take five outfielders and still be very happy with where we are. But uh, the opportunity to take Harrison is one I want to jump on before either you two guys get him. So uh, Harrison is my third pick. Tyler, you get the next two. Um, man. See, now we're getting – now it's getting tough because you kind of have those guys that you know you want to nab right out of the gate, and then there are a lot of guys you're like, eh, well, maybe I should take him before he's gone. Um, I feel like I'm going to stick with um, the the middle of the infield, and I'm going to go with um, Tyro Estrada of the New York <laughs> Yankees organization. Yes! Sorry, sorry. Yes! I literally just pulled up his bio just to, like, refresh myself before picking him, but that's fine. Go ahead. He is uh, – Estrada's a guy – he's played um, strictly at short in the AFL, but he can play both positions up the middle. He can play at second base as well. Um, he's had a fantastic season in the AFL, 19 games played. He's OPS 828, um, and a guy who – uh, obviously with the positional strengths and versatility, that's good. Um, but the fact that he's 21 years old and he went to the Eastern League this year and uh, batted 301 and OPS 745 and um, can swipe some bags, hits with a little bit of pop. He had six homers this year at double A and 122 games. Um, I like him and I like the the versatility, being able to play multiple positions. Oh, right, so that's yeah, one. Yeah. And I get that's the next one, one yeah. as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's so many good options here. Um, I I love this guy because he's somebody that we've heard about um, on the international scene for quite some time, and he isn't exactly a prospect in the traditional prospect sense um, because he comes over after having already played professionally elsewhere, but that's Lourdes Gurriel, and this might be kind of a reach to take him this early, but the shortstop prospect slash second base prospect in the Toronto Blue Jays organization, uh, of course, the younger brother of Yuli Gurriel, now the first baseman with the Houston Astros. Lourdes Gurriel is 24, defected from Cuba, came over. This is his first minor league season in 2017. Didn't have great results between Class A Advanced and Eden in AA New Hampshire, um, but I think it's so difficult for those guys to come over for the Cuban players, especially to come over with the, the cultural differences, the language barrier, getting acclimated to pro ball in an entirely different setup than what you have at home. Um, those guys oftentimes that first year can be a struggle and then things start to come around after that. Um, Guriel just, we for so long on the international stage heard just how good he is and how promising of a player he is in the AFL. 293 average, 818 OPS over the course of 20 games. Um, he has spent all but uh, a handful of them at short. He's played some second base as well. Um, so I'm going to take him and uh, and plug him in at shortstop. So it, basically what's going to happen in the inevitable double headers that are going to happen every day between our three teams, Yeah, you're just going to flip those two, Estrada exactly. and Guriel, between short and second and just see and how it goes. Right? think of the shift possibilities. My team is going to oh, be, right, yeah. wow. be crazy, man. You're just going to Joe Madden this up. Nobody has an actual position anymore. Exactly. Just where no. you put them no. on the field. We have just an amoeba. Our team is just one. We're one organism. <laughs> that shifts constantly <laughs> based on counts, yeah. based on all of that. All right. That's very, that's baseball in 2025. I'll say that. <laughs> um, all right. Well, if we're taking skill guys up the middle, I'm going to take one in, in Luis Urias uh, from the San Diego Padres, the number 48 overall prospect right now. Uh, for anybody who read this week's tool shed, um, I did it on Joey Votto-esque type players. Uh, and what I mean by that is just guys who don't strike out a lot, who walk a lot and are going to post high OBPs. Normally that's all three tied, but obviously Votto is kind of so much of an outlier in that trying to find another player like him in the minors can be tough. 
Uh, Uriah certainly doesn't have the power in the same way, but he does have that innate strike zone discipline that I just fall in love with. Uh, you know, he, this was his age 20 season. He was 19 starting out the year, double A San Antonio. Uh, managed to lead the Texas League in OBP at 398. Walked more times than he struck out, 68 walks, only 65 strikeouts. Moves to the, the fall league and just kind of continues that uh, to a, an incredible rate. You know, he hit 300 in 16 games for Peoria, but he walked 14 times, only struck out five in 16 games, which is an insane ratio, even in a small sample like that. Uh, kind of a similar player, you know, to the guys you mentioned, Tyler. Uh, certainly can play shortstop, has played a little bit of second base as the Padres are trying to figure out what to do with him. Um, is he the shortstop of the future? Maybe not because of Fernando Tatis Jr., who we all know is is coming up very quick uh, through that Padre system. But just another guy who he's incredibly young, takes to every level he's he goes. That now includes the fall league. Um, I'm going to call him my shortstop for now. We'll see how the rest of the draft goes. Maybe I'll move him over to second base. Um, but yeah, uh, another top 100 prospect on my team. I'll take that any day. Um, all right. So for my pick, I actually remembered this guy especially from a tool shed yes i read oh see Very look at exciting. that yes i did using it. my own work against me yeah uh my <laughs> shortstop will be nikki lopez of the royals i know the main crux of the story was that how was how the royals have all these places and like that he could go if they make moves and they have a lot of roadblocks you could say um, of players but then they could also become openings however this offseason plays out um, and he's definitely doing a good job to prove that he deserves to be there. I mean, everyone calls the AFL the finishing school, and he's hitting 390 here. So I think he's proving that, you know, he, you know, if they do trade someone away, he could be ready. Or not only just trade, but Alcides Escobar is a free agent. Right, things like so that. So, like, yeah, so he could just go away, but they also have Raul Mondesi and how that's going to work out. Yeah. But Lopez, not only just the bat is improving so much, but his glove, everybody loves uh, there, there was a play today, so by the time you guys hear this, I'm sure you can just, you know, Twitter search Nicky Lopez made a really strong play up the middle uh, today. So everybody expect him to uh, play at shortstop, struggled some at double A, but if he can continue this fall league, you know, going into next spring, that will be huge for him. Mm-hmm. So he's your short, he's your shortstop though, right? Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. Okay. I'm going to say shortstop. Okay. Um, yeah, and then for my next pick, there's so much choose from um i'm going this is what it's like in the war rooms i know this is probably exactly what it is this is was Um, that a kevin costner picture Was that I, need, I need. Movie yeah, movie? yeah, it was. It was. I did not draft. Okay, no. draft, draft day. No. Draft. I, know, I just need Jonah Hill here. Is what I know. I know it's a different reference, but still be good for the stats. Okay. Um. I'm just going to do it, and I'm going to go with Oscar Mercado of the Cardinals for one of my outfielders. Uh, I know that he has been kind of, even though he was picked in the second round a couple of years ago, we kind of fell under the radar, but then this past season he broke out a little more than people were expecting um, with Springfield. So, and then he got to the AFL, and he continues to just keep hitting and you know, being the outfielder they need him to be. So that is who I'm going with. Okay, so now it's back to me. Uh, 
there's there's somebody I want to take, but I, I'm not going to take him. And I don't know if Tyler knows who that is, so I'm just going to leave that one. Um, but looking at my roster so far, so I've got Victor Robles, like I said, probably leading off. Francisco Mejia, uh, you know, another very high hit tool. Monte Harrison, a mix of everything. And Luis Urias, who's going to get on base a bunch. Good hit tool, not much power. I need a bopper. And what better bopper can I think of uh, right now in in the fall league or anywhere is DJ Peters, um, who you know Tyler wrote up at, and as we talked about last week, best individual performance of the year, homering twice off Madison Bumgarner. Not that alone. Uh, what what the great thing about Peters is is that he was the Cal League MVP. Um, you know, hit a ton of homers out there for Class A advanced Rancho Cucamonga. Um, but when you do that in the Cal League, everybody wonders, you know, is that power going to play? against better arms once you get out of, you know, Cal League environments, all that kind of stuff. And it certainly has. I think he had a stretch where he homered in three straight games recently. Uh, you know, he hit 27 home runs this year for Rancho. He's up to, let me double check this, uh, up to three, like I said, three homers in nine games for Glendale uh, in the AFL. So, you know, I've, I've got all the speed I need on the base pass. I've got all the guys to get on base. Now I need somebody to kind of power that three, four, five spot, uh, keep things honest. I think Peters works out really well for that. So he'll be my third and final outfielder. Uh, Tyler, up, you're up for two. Oh, man. Um, I know who my first of those two is going to be. And I will likewise use um, a Sam Dykstra story against him. But there was a, um, a player development guy who told me a couple of years ago that there are prospects who you see in baseball that everybody wants to find something that they don't like about them, but the numbers continue being posted, and at some point you have to take them seriously. And that's don't Eric Filia to me. Ding. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Like, it's too soon to pick a DH. That's what I was going to take, and I was just like, no, Tyler won't do oh. that to me. Oh, no, no. Oh, no, no. I will. Um, because not only – can Eric Philia be your DH, but he can play the outfield and he can play first base. He's gotten time at first base in the AFL um, and has played in the outfield as well. So I'm going to go with him, talk about big boppers, talk about a guy who he just continues every level he's gone to, he continues to hit. He's listed as an outfielder, but he can play at first. Um, this season with Modesto, 128 games, 326, 407, 434, 841, the total OPS. Um, he's just a guy who I think is going to develop a little bit more pop. He's not the biggest dude in the world, but he barrels everything up. Um, and in the AFL, he's OPSing 1073, so he can uh, he can rake, um, and and I like him because again, positional versatility. This is going to be an entire team of Ben Zobris. Yeah. So well, everybody be jealous. That, you also have the shimmy now. I do. That's true. I have the Philly shimmy now. So we Which got. Is, I'm so happy that that is catching on. We got so. some uh, we got some swagger on this yeah, roster. It hasn't kids. hit the clubs quite yet, but I think any day now. <laughs> um. Oh, man. And then um, I'm going to go with uh, this is probably going to be a surprise of the two traditional first basemen that I have listed that I'm going to pick between. Um, I'm going to go with the older of those two. And that's Brian Mundell, who is a prospect in the Colorado Rockies organization. Similarly to Eric Filia, he's a guy who flies somewhat under the radar. Um, came out at not a big program program in college, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. He was a seventh-round pick in 2015. But similarly, everywhere he's gone, 
The dude has put up numbers. He finished this year with 52 games with Double A Hartford. He OPS 819, hit three homers there after hitting 12 with Lancaster to get things started in 2017, the California League. Um, and Mundell has had a very productive um, AFL. It hasn't been quite the bust out numbers of other guys, but I know how much the Rockies like him as a prospect. Um, he's a guy who has acclimated well to first base. He transitioned positionally um, in the organization. So kind of an under the radar guy, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with him as my true first baseman all right well uh if i if i'm gonna take peters as my uh outfielder before uh, i'm gonna get him a little bit of bopping protection in the form of austin riley uh from the braves organization number 10 prospect in that system uh currently has six homers in the afl which is second behind only ronald acuna uh there's that triumvirate of power from the braves coming during this fall league season between acuna austin riley and alex jackson uh, the catching prospect uh, Riley, you know, was a 41st overall pick in 2015. Um, some people say he can't quite catch up to velocity. He has some some issues with that, or he has some issues hitting breaking balls. But he, he seems to have really turned it around at Double A Mississippi this year. You know, having some stroke after having some struggles in the Florida State League to begin the year, he hit 315, 389, 511, uh, which worked out to a 900 OPS. Uh, hit eight homers in 48 games there. Didn't seem like necessarily special power um, but he certainly turned it on in the fall league with six more homers in 16 games uh, he's OPSing again you know in the the four digits with 1.056 OPS uh, right now which is third behind Acuna and Philia who are of course now belonging to Tyler I'll throw that out there congratulations on that yes uh, but yeah Riley just brings another piece to that kind of puzzle for me in terms of we have so many guys running around. We need guys who can uh, power it out of the ballpark. He can certainly do that. And not only that, but he, he seems like he's a capable third baseman. Um, he, you know, given his size, he will have some struggles there. He's six foot three, um, but his arm is certainly playable there. He was almost a pitcher coming out of high school. Um, so excited to add him to the roster. Uh, now, Kelsey, you got two picks. Okay. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to go with my third and final outfielder right here, right now. And that is going to be Florial of the Yankees, straight out of Haiti. Uh, his first year, his rookie ball year uh, in 2016 was okay, but then last year he kind of found his own stride in the Sally League and the Florida State League. Uh, he is a pretty you know, tall, skinny guy, but he has a little bit of power. He has speed. He's pretty good on defense. Uh, and he continues to show that in the AFL, so I'm going with Florial. And then for going with my DH, as Sam said, power is very important. So I'm going to go with Josh Naylor. Yes, everyone's favorite Padres prospect. Um, he you know, didn't show off the power as much as people would have expected, but he's continuing to do well in the AFL. I know he has, I think two or three homers, and he's one of the top producers in terms of RBIs. So I think his bat would be really important in my lineup. Yeah, first base is, is really the one where I'm kind of scratching my head in terms of how to fill that spot. Um, you guys have both taken first baseman, so I'm going to kind of sit on that for a little while longer, try to figure out how I want to fill that. Um, let's, see. let's see. I already have my catcher. I already have my third baseman. Uh, hmm. We're kind of getting to the nitty gritty here, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, 
So we each have eight picks so far. Kelsey just made her ninth. I am going to go with my second baseman um, just because I think this is going to be a lot of fun to watch him play on a daily basis. And that is Luis Guillorme uh, out of the Mets system. You probably know him as the guy who caught a bat with his bare hands in spring training. Um, it, but he, obviously he's a little bit more than that. Uh, the Mets have kind of moved him around. He could could be a you know plus shortstop already, but they've moved him to sec- second base a little bit this year with double-A Binghamton um, just because they know Ahmed Rosario is going to be their shortstop in the future. They want to kind of figure out what they're going to do with URMA. He's special at either spot. His hands are some of the best you're going to find in the game. Uh, he's definitely going to provide me value on the defensive end. Anything he does offensively is kind of surplus in that way. He only hit one home run in 128 games this year. But he does get on base. He is going to get his fair share of hits. He had a 283 average, uh, 376 on base percentage. Uh, if he can kind of do that out of the 8-9 role and provide potentially you know, gold glove defense, and I don't use that lightly. I think he actually is a potential gold glove defenseman uh, either at shortstop or second base. I'm going to – I'm going to probably put him at short and put Urias at second. Uh, I am going to switch that now uh, just because I think Guillaume is so much better at uh, defense than Urias is, and Urias does have that experience. So uh, putting Guillaume at a defensive taxing, taxing position like short, I think it will provide me with a lot of value. So I'll, I'll take the Mets' number 11 prospects with my uh, ninth pick. Okay. I like that one as well. Um Oh, man. Yeah, we really are kind of getting down to it now. Um, I'm going to go uh, – I still need a third baseman um, for my team, and I'm going to go with um, one of the guys who I think has really started to craft a path for himself. Not a whole lot of, uh, of people really knew his name before the AFL, and I think now, especially because of the pronunciation, a lot of people know his name. Sheldon Noisy of the Oakland Athletics Organization – N-E-U-S-E is how that last name is spelled. Um, Sheldon Noisy has had a terrific year for Mesa. He's hit 305, 360, 561. He's got five homers, um, which is third most in the AFL this season and is coming off of um, a pretty good year with Stockton and with Midland after being traded from the Washington Nationals organization as part of the deal for Ryan Madsen and Sean Doolittle. Um, so now in the A's system, he is the 14th ranked prospect there. Um, a guy who comes out of University of Oklahoma. He was a second round pick in 2016 leading the AFL and RBIs. I need somebody else who can hit with a little bit of pop. So Sheldon Noisy is going to be my third baseman. All right. So you got one more. I do. Um, and this guy has only played two games in the AFL Um, but I love him and I have loved him ever since he was taken, uh, by the Seattle Mariners with the, uh, 11th overall pick in 2016. And that's Kyle Lewis, the outfielder who has dealt with injuries, um, had the knee injury at the end of his debut season in 2016, came back this year, was banged up in his first game back, missed some time, but all the tools are there for Kyle Lewis. Um, he, he runs well, he hits with pop, great arm, good fielding tool, um, 
if he can stay healthy, and right now that appears to be a fairly big if, but if he can stay healthy, I really, really like Kyle Lewis and how he profiles as an eventual major leaguer. He was the Golden Spikes Award winner um, coming out of a very, very small school in Mercer University compared with so many other prospects, um, big-time prospects and first-round draft picks and Golden Spikes winners as the top collegiate players um, in the nation. But I really like Kyle Lewis, so he's going to be one of my outfielders. All right, well, I'm going to take what I think is the first utility pick um, here, and I'm going to take Ryan Mountcastle out of the Orioles organization, uh, currently the number three pick or number three prospect in that system. Um, just 20 years old, and why I'm happy to get him at, at utility is because nobody can really figure out what to do with him defensively. Uh, you know, he came up when he was first drafted, you know, 36th overall pick in, in 2015. He was a shortstop. Nobody thinks he can stick there. They've tried him out at third base, including in the fall league. Uh, maybe he'll get some time in left field as well. My thing is, if I just make him utility or DH for our purposes, because this is an American league. Sorry, sorry Tyler. I know your feelings on that. What? Uh, How yeah, do we? What? Yes. We just decided this? I decided this. Unbelievable. I mean, the fall league all includes That affects DH. my entire draft strategy now, Sam. Does it? Did you pick a starter <laughs> no, who can no. hit? No, I didn't. Okay. All right. Uh, so let's, for the purposes of this exercise, Ryan Mountcastle, you don't have to worry about defense. You only have to worry about your bat. And his bat could be special. Uh, you know, at 88 games this year at Class A Advanced Frederick, uh, he hit, he had 51 extra base hits in 88 games, which is nuts. Hit 314, had a 343 on base percentage, but a 542 slugging. Um, coming from a potential infielder, that's really good. Um, and you know, he's just like a doubles machine, plug him anywhere in that lineup that could work. Uh, he struggled a little bit at double a buoy. hasn't had the greatest fall league season. Um, but again, only 20 years old, he's turning 21 on February 18th. So he's still got plenty to grow into. And, and if this is his starting point, I think he could be a special offensive player. Um, so yeah, telling him not to worry about the glove, only worry about the stick, I think only helps his case and, and would make him an even better part of my lineup. So, Like our good buddy Willie Calhoun, who at one time, did he tweet out, or it was in his Twitter bio or something, somebody asked him what position do you play, and he said hitter? No, he said he plays three-hole. Plays three-hole, that's what it was. I Which love it. I love I it. I feel like has taken on legendary status in that I don't know if he <laughs> ever actually said that, <laughs> and I don't know if uh, if it was exactly three-hole, but three-hole sounds... It's it, Bunyan-esque now. Right, yeah. It's just a it's a really good quote. We'll put it that way. <laughs> all right, Kelsey, you got next. All right. Two. So we're like we said, we're almost done. We're almost done with all of our position players, too. Uh, so I need a second baseman. So I'm going to pick a little bit of a dark horse along with someone who is not ranked, which I think we might have only picked one person maybe who's not ranked so far. And I'm going to go with uh, Tigers prospect Cody Eaves who he can play third, but he's majority second baseman, which is still good to have that versatility. Um, he came over from the Angels in the uh, a couple years ago, I think, um, and he seems to just keeps getting better. He's putting up better numbers offensively, like with power and with average. Um, but the biggest thing that I know is that his uh, on-base percentage is – a career high this past year is almost 100 points higher than when it has been before. So I think he's finally starting to hit his stride. He got a taste of AAA last year, and he's carrying that into the AFL where he's hitting 333. So I like him as my second baseman. Um, for my catcher, I've been holding off because you guys pick catchers pretty early, so I figured you wouldn't pick a catcher as your 
DH or utility. So I have, I have some strategy. Uh, and I'm going to go with Cardinals prospect Andrew Kisner. Dang it! My first one that I get to get mad because somebody took him from me. Ha-ha! <laughs> uh, I talked to Andrew a few weeks ago, actually, for a notebook. And, you know, obviously his offense is really well. He hit 302 as he advanced to double-A in his first full season, which I don't think people give that enough credit sometimes. Um, but that's incredible. He hit even better at double-A than he did at class-A after skipping class-A advanced. So that's pretty cool. Um, and then, you know, there's all the stress of following in Yadier Molina's footsteps or even like Carson Kelly might be next in line, but Andrew Kisner's continuing to do well behind the plate. He's uh, improving blocking and pitch calling and his relationships with pitchers. Um, and he's also working out at first base a little bit, just here and there throughout his career, a little bit in the AFL. I think he's splitting his time. Uh, but he said that catcher is going to be primarily where he will continue his career. And I like him as my backstop. All right. Well, I, I need to take a first baseman at some point, I guess. Um, just because I, I am a little bit worried about you guys taking uh, one of these guys as your DHs. Um, I'm kind of split of two minds here. I, and this is another guy who really hasn't played too much in the fall league, but it, all you have to do is play once. Um, or I guess he's gotten 18 games, but it, it, he hasn't had the, the loudest fall league. That's Matt Thace, uh, the 16th overall p- pick in 2016, coming out of the University of Virginia. Certainly was a catcher there. The Angels immediately just said, like, that's obviously not your strength. Uh, we drafted you for your bat. We want you to play first base so you can basically focus exclusively on your bat. And, uh, you know, you start out this year in the, the California League, 84 games there. Some okay numbers, not exactly the, the power numbers you would hope for at that specific circuit. Uh, only went deep eight, eight times, had a 399 slugging, uh, but seemed to kind of take things to a new level. When he made the jump to Double A Mobile, uh, had a 412 on base percentage there at the at the higher level. Again, not too much power, but he's certainly going to get on base. So he'll in the way my lineup's kind of working out. I just need him to be a six or seven hitter. Uh, he has the potential to certainly be more, and I think he can grow into that. Uh, at, at the end of the season, MLB.com had him ranked as their eighth first base prospect. Um, I I don't think his stock will necessarily. Go, go much higher than that but again given the kind of dirt of first base options i think he kind of fills a need for me uh so i'm gonna have him as my first baseman uh tyler over to you okay um these are my last two then is that yeah. correct okay is correct. good to know um i am gonna go with a guy who i feel like has kind of slipped off the prospect radar for a lot of people but um in the afl has again added some positional versatility as obviously my team is very into but um former first round selection billy mckinney who is um traditionally an outfielder but he's played first in the afl a guy who hits that's never really been a big problem for billy mckinney um 16 homers between double a trenton and triple a scranton wilkesbury in the new york yankees organization now so he's going to be my dh slash utility guy he can spell some of these other dudes in the outfield um we got a whole lot of guys who can play first in the outfield now apparently um but billy mckinney is going to be that for me and i have to go with my dude to finish this out jd hammer 
He's oh, going to be man. my beautifully named reliever um, and uh, and beautifully bespectacled reliever. And I have a story up on him on the site right now. Um, but J.D. Hammer, a trade acquisition of the Phillies from the Colorado Rockies at the deadline this year. Ten appearances in the AFL, 0.66 the ERA. I wrote a story on him, and then he went out today and gave up his first run. So that was my fault. But he also picked up his third save. Um, so through his first nine outings, he had not allowed a run. He gives up one in his tenth. So the ERA are a skyrockets to 0.66. Um, he has struck out 11 and 13 and two thirds. Um, opponents are hitting 0.93 against him. He had a terrific debut with Class A Advanced Clearwater after the trade. Um, the glasses are Ricky Vaughn esque. He's just fantastic, and he's a Fort Collins, somebody, Colorado native. Yeah, somebody uh, responded to the, our tweet about the story today with a Ricky Vaughn. Yeah, uh, with a Ricky Vaughn gif. I saw that. Yeah, I like that person. So. Obviously, people are clued into that. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that will kind of continue for him. But, God, is that name great. It's perfect. It's the perfect the perfect bullpen name. Like, if he was a starter, it would still be a good name. But J.D. Hammer to be a reliever is Definitely fantastic. fantastic. I, I want him and Noah Syndergaard on the same team at some point. Yeah. Oh, that would be, that'd be Just good. Th- think of the promotional posters. Thor I'm, leading the way Thor to Hammer. <laughs> You hate, like, the I movie? Do. Kelsey Hannigan no, also told us recently that she hates underdogs, which is not a thing that I realized <laughs> okay, human beings were capable hate, of doing. I don't hate underdogs. That I was mean, your exact I'm, quote verbatim. I mean, I'm biased journalist, uh, first <laughs> off. But two, no, I don't root for underdogs. I like when things are that happen that are expected to happen. I think that the two best teams who have worked hard the entire season, well, I mean, everyone works hard, that have like been winning the entire season, I think they should be the ones who are there in the end. Kelsey was not- so mad when the Death Star exploded in Star Wars. <laughs> so furious. Like Star Wars reference, I get it. <laughs> Do you know how much money that costs? Do you know how much yeah. the Emperor worked for that Death Star? <laughs> He earned that Death Star. No, the Thor thing, I just don't like when people start calling Syndergaard Thor in, like, conversations. Like, you know, oh, okay. like a big moment, maybe in a poster or a magazine cover or something, but just like, oh, who's starting tonight, Thor? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I get that. It's also, that's not the one that they tried hardest to make work. When people were really trying to make the Dark Knight happen for Matt See, Harvey. that was more casual for me. You think I, so? I mean, oh, okay. even though it made less sense. It didn't make less sense. Uh... <laughs> I don't know. I guess that was when I first moved to New York and I was wide-eyed and was okay with it. <laughs> and then the city turned you hard and now you're just against all nicknames. And underdogs. And underdogs. I never liked so. <laughs> All right. So anyway. <laughs> anyway. Back to the, we, so I have one pick left. You have one pick yes. left. Um, so this is real prime stealing territory, I guess. I'm going to go with, for my reliever, uh, number 25 prospect in the Yankee system, Cody Carroll. Uh, was a 22nd round pick in 2015. Don't let that throw you off. I mean, relievers, they feel like they're a dime a dozen, um, but you can find them almost anywhere, and guys can really make jumps, and he's certainly one of those uh, you know, pitchers. Right now, MLB.com uh, categorizes his fastball as a 75 grade on the 20 to 80 scale. That's going to get it done as a reliever at any level, uh, but he also has a plus slider. Uh, he can hit the dribble digits. This year, pitching at Class A Advanced Tampa and Double A Trenton, he struck out 89 batters in 67 and a third innings, uh, posted a 2.54 ERA, held opposing batters to a 191 average. All the things you look for in a reliever, he really had. Uh, J.D. Hammer had them too. Hammer would have been my first reliever off the board, but Tyler went and swooped him from me. That's that's how that goes. Yes. Uh, 
Carol does have some some worries about control, like almost anybody else, like any other raw arm, he's going to do that. 30 walks and 67 and a third uh, innings this year. But, you know, the, I just like the other pieces too much uh, to kind of dream on. Uh, he's another guy who is not yet officially allowed to run in the fall league. He's got a sterling 0.00 ERA, 16 strikeouts in 10 and two-thirds innings. Again, kind of those uh, control issues. He's allowed more walks than he has hits, four walks, only two hits in 10 and two-thirds innings. But, uh, you know, the Yankees have a – incredible bullpen right now he's working his way to kind of join that i think that could be uh, very exciting so he's my my final reliever pick and now we go over kelsey who's taking somebody who's going to be in tool shed this week wow but not uh, yet. so anyway right. preview uh yeah i get the final pick what did you call it, mr relevant mr irrelevant technically yeah uh yes yeah, so, so i'm going with the one person who has zero a zero era and is eligible so it counts well, yeah, so right. it is quality yeah qualified, qualified, whatever. Qualified, yeah. yeah so i'm gonna go with someone who could be quote unquote thor's teammate one day he has already been tim tebow's teammate. so she's taking loki is what she's saying nerd sorry sorry i got uh, thor ragnarok is a great movie go see it in theaters now anyways All go right. keep going Tom Hiddleston. okay um i'm going with matt Poberaki. Poberaco. Poberaco, yes. Uh, hard to pronounce, great to watch, uh, is what I think. Like I said, he has a zero ERA, and he's qualified to get that because he has uh, eight stars, I think 12 innings or something like that. Eight, eight games, sounds Eight right. games, yes, yeah, sorry. This is the reliever category. Um, and he has 13 strikeouts, and what I love most about him is only one walk. That's pretty good. And no home run. So he shuts down hitters, obviously, because he has zero ERA. That's why he has no home runs in the AFL. Um, but he did pretty well during the season. I mean, a three ERA with Columbia. But again, he's climbing the ladder and is getting used to shutting down hitters. And he's doing that in a league that has a lot of double-A guys and a lot of the top prospects. And he is not letting them score on him, which is impressive. What I like about that is that it, Puerto Rico, not once but twice, uh, started a season in the Indian League to be signed by a team. In 2016, he was in the Independent Frontier League, was signed by the D-backs. They cut him at the end of the year. Started again this year in the Frontier League, got signed by the Mets. And now the Mets have sent him to the Fall League. So the fact that you were drafting him, yeah. this is the first time legitimately he has been drafted. Yay, me! So <laughs> the stories are always the best. You might even say that that's an underdog story. Uh, you might. You, you might. I mean, he went to Kentucky Wesleyan, so he's not so much of an underdog. Why not? What's wrong with Kentucky? That means it's even more of an underdog. I, yeah. It was a joke. I was, oh. I was pretending that they're an impressive baseball school. I t- completely thought you were confusing like Kentucky Wildcats. And it's like, no, no but that's a- he does have a Christmas Eve birthday, so like that's tough. That's oh, that is tough. Status. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering about that as a kid. Like You probably just get jobbed out of double gifts. Everybody yeah. just gets you one combo gift. Even if you're Jewish, it's hard to get presents. Let's get Matt on the show and ask him about it. You know, he, uh, <laughs> Matt, he's give also, us your birthday breakdown. He also wears glasses on the field, which our colleague Michael Leboff loves. He's a big fan of any player. So who wears two glasses. of the three relievers we yeah. take are bespectacled. Perfect. That is true. There you go. That's true. Um, all right, so here's my nine. Um, and I did not think of a catchy team name. Well, you got to come up with one on the, the fly. You got to the one. Just call us the band you're about to hear. The team you're about to see. There, that's my team name. Inspired by that thing you do. There you go. 
Um, okay, so my catcher, Sean Murphy of the Oakland Athletics. My first baseman, Brian Mundell, the Colorado Rockies, slash sort of Eric Filia of the Seattle Mariners, slash sort of Billy McKinney of the New York Yankees. Second baseman, Tyro Estrada of the New York Yankees, slash sort of Lourdes Gurriel of the Toronto Blue Jays. Third baseman, Sheldon Noisy of the Oakland Athletics. Shortstop, you can flip those two. Gurriel, I'll list in there as my shortstop. Estrada will also see some time there. Uh, Ronald Acuna, my head guy in the outfield of the Atlanta Braves, Eric Filia and Kyle Lewis, both of the Seattle Mariners, Billy McKinney, my DH slash utility guy, Max Freed, my starter, J.D. Hammer, my reliever, Freed of the Atlanta Braves, Hammer of the Philadelphia Phillies. That's right, my so 11. Going, going through mine in the order that I picked them, Victor Robles, outfielder from the Washington Nationals, Justice Sheffield, starting pitcher from the New York Yankees, Francisco Mejia, Currently a third baseman, going to put him back behind the plate, a catcher from the Cleveland Indians. Monte Harrison, another outfield spot from the Milwaukee Brewers. Luis Urias, the second baseman from the San Diego Padres. DJ Peters, the outfielder from the Los Angeles Dodgers. Austin Riley, third baseman from the Atlanta Braves. Luis Guillorme, shortstop uh, from the New York Mets. Ryan Mountcastle, uh, DH slash utility from the Baltimore Orioles. Matt Thace, the first baseman of the Los Angeles Angels and Cody Carroll, reliever of the New York Yankees. Uh, my team name, which I came up with before this, is the uh, Glenn Dykstra Desert Dogs, because we're trying to keep this <laughs> AFL-centric. Which is great that Tyler's laughing, because I already told Kelsey, so we were not going to get her audio, audible laugh that I she totally laugh had. No, she I totally had. Don't, don't, don't lie to the people, Sam. Yeah. I didn't laugh the first time. <laughs> uh, all right, so good. my team is... Uh, Catcher of St. Louis, Andrew Kitzner. My first baseman is Jordan Alvarez, Astros prospect. Then at second, I have Tigers prospect, Cody Eve. Uh, then at third, I have Boston's Michael Chavis. And at short, uh, the Royals' Nicky Lopez. And then my outfielders are Astros' Kyle Tucker, Cardinals' Oscar Mercado, uh, Yankees' Esteban Florial. And then my starting pitcher is Mitch Keller of the Pir Pirates. And my reliever is Matt Pobriaco. Pobriaco. I'm going to get it one time. Uh, <laughs> of the Mets. And to go back, my DH is Josh Naylor of the Padres. And my team name that I thought of in the past hour is the Kelsey Winnegan. Because oh! Uh, she just keep winning. Ah. I like it. That's pretty I good. I like it. I like That's it, too. Good. My last name is Hennigan, for those who don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> those who lost it between the beginning of the show and now. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. Definitely tweeted us who you thought had the best team. Use our team hashtags, which is, again, Tyler, what's your team name? Uh, the team you're about to see. Team you're about to see. <laughs> or hashtag uh, the Glenn Dykstra Desert Dogs or the hashtag Kelsey Winnigans. You're going to be up. It's all going to be on you to decide how that is spelled. Um, but yeah, tweet at us. We'll put up a, a Twitter poll as well. You can vote and who you think has the best roster, who you think would win this kind of round robin that we have to come up with to see. All, and we're definitely going to do this, by the way. We're all going to we're going to reach out to all these guys and tell them. They yeah, they're all going to play. Gonna play in an yeah, their seasons league. aren't over yet. I'm going to um, tell them our team name is the worst because our team is by far the best. Sure. That's, that's, what, that's, what, that's what I'm going to say to my guys. If that's how you're going to get Ronald Acuna to come out and play for, for you, Tyler. You do no, what I'm going to do with Ronald Acuna is I'm going to say Sam is more creepy in real life than he is just like on the podcast and stuff about you. So I took you in order to keep you away from Sam and his creepy prospect crush on you. What do I miss when I'm not on the podcast? How creepy do I you know. 
Sounds like you are very possessive of prospects, both of you. I don't, I don't know what to say. It's uh, Sam and Ronald Acuna. It's just on a different level. Yes. It's like me and my former prospect crush on Ramel Tapia, who is no longer a prospect. So now it's just all Sam and his creepiness. <laughs> but you have returned to normal levels, of course. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I'm back. I'm back to normalcy. All right. So that was the 2017 Arizona Fall League draft that we made up on our own. Um, but yeah, so there's that. Yeah. Um, Thank you for jo- joining us, Kelsey. You're welcome. Thanks, Kelsey. You're welcome for all of my audible noises. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the show before the show podcast, episode number 135. No Benjamin Hill, but we're talking about the business in the minor leagues next. Some stuff to get to before we wrap up this week's edition of the show before the show podcast. The um, off-season calendar. Really, in a lot of ways, it's just getting started. Um, GM meetings, the winter meetings, the uh, hot stove stuff is really just now starting to, to tick up. Uh, but the Rule 5 draft is the next big thing on the minor league baseball calendar um, for a lot of prospects. Teams need to protect prospects by Monday at 8 p.m. Um, and Sam, there are some pretty decent names that right now, if not protected, would be eligible for the Rule 5 draft. Um, but a lot of guys that we expect to see protected by Monday. Yeah, so there are eight, I believe, uh, top 100 prospects who need to be protected. Some of them haven't been added yet. If they haven't, by the time you heard this, don't panic. It's not like you know that the team doesn't value them for whatever reason. It's just sometimes you need to see how other things are going to shake out. Sometimes you need to DFA somebody or put them on waivers, whatever, to make room for some of these other names. Um, but just to run through them real fast, uh, Gliber Torres of the, the Yankees, he needs to be added. Uh, top overall prospect definitely going to happen. All these guys are definitely going to happen, so I don't, I don't need to break that down. But Eloy Jimenez uh, of the White Sox, Brent Honeywell of the Rays, Austin Meadows of the Pirates, Stephen Gonzalez of the uh, Twins, Jake Bowers of the Rays, Tyler O'Neill of the Cardinals, and Jorge Mateo of the A's, who has actually already been protect- protected by being added to the 40-man. Uh, MLB Pipeline has a full breakdown. We'll have you know an updating chart throughout the day on Monday. Uh, as guys are added to the 40-man and protected. Uh, it's always kind of fun to see who's kind of left. Who, Because, A, you know, if it's somebody highly ranked, okay, why doesn't the organization value them as much as we do? Um, and, you know, what opportunity lays out ahead of them going into the Rule 5? Because the whole point of the Rule 5 is to give guys chances that they did not have in their organization uh, currently. So, um, you know, Anybody who was an international or high school pick uh, signed in 2013 or before, um, they are eligible for the Rule 5 draft or any college player taken in the 2014 draft or before uh, is also eligible for this, who haven't signed, you know, like multiple year contracts or something like that. Um, So, yeah, this is always fun to see how things kind of shake out. Uh, Wouldn't get too worried if there's a big name you haven't seen added yet. That's that's probably going to happen. Um, but we'll see who's left standing and, and who's going to be eligible for the Rule, dry, rule 5 draft uh, at 8.01 p.m. Eastern time next Monday. 8.01 p.m., just in case you were going to set your clocks. Um, get ready for it because uh, it's always kind of fun. We rarely see 
a huge name move in the Rule 5 draft over the last two years. 23 top 100 players have been eligible going into this Monday deadline, and all 23 of those guys have been added and protected on the 40-man roster. But uh, still something to keep an eye on because there is oftentimes still uh, a couple of relatively good, close-to-the-major-league talented players that move um and so it's just something to keep an eye on when the the rule five draft rolls along next month um what else we had something else didn't we what else we had? yeah we had well yeah because it you mentioned it is hot stove season now so things are kind of heating yes. up gm meetings it. uh just wrapped up in orlando uh the owner meetings i think are following that in orlando and then the winter meetings will be you know early december uh, i'll be down there for that again also in orlando this year um, but because it is heating up, there's obviously a few names on the trade market that are being bandied about. The big one being Giancarlo Stanton of the Marlins, uh, Marlins new ownership group under Derek Jeter and a few others um, trying to cut salary. Obviously, Stanton has a massive contract um, that they would not mind moved, but also because he is at the height of his uh, value. It seems like coming off you know, what could be an NL MVP season. He's certainly a finalist for that. Might be the favorite, depending on how you view Goldschmidt and Votto. Um, I think that that race will actually be very tight. But anyway, uh, so they're going to be looking to ship Stanton. The question that comes up next is, is where does he go? I have five teams that have been mentioned or you know in rumors as being potentially interested. I'm sure all other 29 teams are putting in calls to the Marlins, just trying to gauge the market on what Stanton could be. But the five we constantly hear are the Phillies, Red Sox, Giants, Cardinals, and the Dodgers have also entered the mix. I think that might be more about due diligence, and there's just a lot of media coverage of the Dodgers these days uh, than actual interest, but you know, we'll, we'll see how that turns out. So out of those five, again, the Phillies, Red Sox, Giants, Cardinals, and Dodgers, who do you think has the farm system to potentially get a deal done for Stanton? Because it's going to take it's going to take prospects, even as, as good as, or as big as that contract is, uh, it's going to take you know, some pretty pennies to, to get him to switch organizations. So who do you think out of that well, would be most well-primed, I guess? And you know what's interesting about that group is outside of the Dodgers, none of those systems are really that, that loaded. The Philly system is the best positioned, I would say, out of those other four. Um, but the Red Sox, they made big deals and traded away big-time prospects already last year. We saw that with Yohan Mankata. Um, the, the, the Phillies have been building, and I think this time two years ago, we would have said, oh, yeah, far and away, that's the system that's best slated to pull off a big-time deal. The Giants, there's not much in that system. The Cardinals, there are some pieces in that Cardinals system, um, but, you know, not anything outside really of Alex Reyes that I think would be along the caliber of what the Marlins are looking for. There's also something to keep in mind. John Paul Morosi of MLB.com um, said that there have been uh, a handful of teams that have already told the Marlins that they believe that the contract right now that Giancarlo Santon currently has, which still has 10 years, $295 million remaining on it, is basically what he would receive on the open market. And that, according to John Morosi, is, quote, uh, or a factor that would lead to the Marlins needing to, quote, include cash in order to obtain high-level prospects. The Marlins' dream scenario, according to John Morosi, is that the salary would be entirely off the books for Miami, and they would get multiple high-end prospects in return. And Morosi says that is probably unrealistic. Um, one rival executive to him estimated that the Marlins would need to include at least $5 million or around $5 million per year in order to receive good prospect value. I think the the concept that 
the Marlins are going to haul in something massive in return for Giancarlo Stanton is negated by the fact that a team that takes Giancarlo Stanton is taking on a massive financial obligation. So unless the car, unless the Marlins are going to throw some money in to try to equalize that deal, I don't think this is necessarily the franchise power-shifting deal that maybe we thought it was, just in terms of what Giancarlo Stanton should bring in return in terms of prospects. Um, so that's a long-winded answer. But of those five teams, the Giants don't have anything. Um, the Cardinals have a little bit. The Phillies maybe have some pieces. The Red Sox aren't as good as the Phillies. The Dodgers of those five are the best position minor league system. That's the most talented system. And he's an L.A. area guy, so that's been part of the conversation. Um, but, man, if you are a fan of a National League West team or anybody else in the NL and the prospect is looming that the reigning National League champion Los Angeles Dodgers could add Giancarlo Stanton, um, whoa, that makes you a little frightened. Yeah, well, not, not only that, but he does have an opt-out as well. Uh, True. When you're talking about his contract stuff, you know, he has an opt out after 2020, which, you know, if he puts up a 2018 and a 2019 and a 2020, like even 80 percent of what he did this year, uh, he's probably going to take it just because he can get that much more on the open market and really establish establish himself. So what are you trading for? Are you trading for 10 years of John Carlos Stanton or are you trading for only three? Uh, Obviously, you're going to give away more if you think it's going to be 10 but if he's going to go all 10 it's probably because he didn't opt out because he probably didn't age as well as he would have hoped so there's a lot of calculus that goes into these uh you know negotiations that didn't necessarily happen in the past opt-outs are becoming bigger deals in terms of you know free agents asking for them um you know, because they want the, the longevity, they want the stability, but they also want the option to get out early, which is fine. You know, God bless them for doing that. That's a little bit of hedging your bets. But, um, you know, we, we saw that happen this season with Justin Upton and, and the Angels. Uh, the Angels and the Tigers agreed to a deal for Upton. Thing was, he had an opt out at the end of the year. Um, so are you just getting him as a rental? Are you getting him for the duration of the contract? You don't know, and he can't uh, he can't tell you what he's going to do if he's not part of your organization. Um, they eventually agreed to an extension uh, that you know voided the opt out clause, anyways. But uh, yeah, there's a lot that's going to go into this this Stanton deal. I think you know I, I think we should give the Phillies more credit. They do have the system to do it, um, but do they want to kind of cash in their chips now because they do have a lot building, you know. Nick Williams is there. He had a much better major league campaign than he did in the minors. Uh, Reese Hoskins obviously has been very special. Uh, they still have Crawford, who you know got some time at the end of the year, but he's probably going to build on that. Uh, you know, Scott Kingery is knocking on the door. Dylan Cousins, what's going to happen with him? They would have to trade a good portion of that talent. Jorge Alfaro included in that as well. Uh, you know, to get Stanton, and yeah, he's. You know, he, he's primed and ready as opposed to those other guys who need to develop. But there's just so many pieces that they have that could all come together at the same time. And, um, yeah, that, that would just be an interesting change in philosophy, I think, for the Phillies. Uh, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, I don't think this is going to be resolved until the winter meeting. So we'll probably be talking about this for a little while longer. But, you know, it's the hot stove. We'll be talking about it until it happens. So keep an eye on it. Yeah, there are a lot of moving parts um, in this one. I would be um – 
I don't know if I should say I'd be surprised if the deal gets done, but I don't think the deal is going to get done easily. Um, and uh, there's a whole lot of really complicated stuff that goes into this because of that contract. That contract makes it such a massive deal for any team that's going to be taking on that money. Um, so stay tuned because it's going to be fun to watch. Um, but, uh, man, lengthy edition of the show before the show, and I think that uh, just about does it, correct? Yeah, no, I think that's good. All I right. think, yeah, um, the, this was a lot of fun. I, yeah, I this like was fun. I like to do break out of the uh, the format. This was really bit. good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. And um, next week will likely be the same. Thanksgiving week, um, so we'll have something special in store for you. Um, and then, of course, uh, back to normalcy through December until our end of the year, year in review episode, um, which we've done for the last couple of years, and people have really enjoyed looking back on some of our best interviews and all that type of stuff. Um, so that'll do it for episode number 135 get in touch with us podcast at milb.com or on twitter i'm at tyler mon he is at sam dykstra milb you can email the show as well podcast at milb.com and uh until next week he's sam i'm tyler we'll talk to you then okay picture this It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.